All right, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to uh, read out of the New King James Version. You may have a different translation, so you can look on in yours. You can look up at the screen as well. We'll have it in the New King James. And so if you will look at the Scripture, verse 19 says this, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us. That means he set it apart. He, he ceremonially cleansed us and, and set this, part of, this way for us. Through the veil, that is his flesh. There's so much there. I'm not going to unpack all of that. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Someone say draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The scripture refers in another place that we are being washed by the pure water of the word. Someone say the word. So it's the pure water of the word that's washing us and cleansing us. Verse 23, let us hold fast. The word hold fast simply means to stay sure. It means to stay steady. It means to, to, to stay on it, to not move off of it. So let us, let us hold fast the confession of our hope or expectation without wavering. For he who promised is what? Faithful. Is what? Faithful. He who promised is what? Faithful. Do you believe God is faithful? Yes. Can he be trusted? Yes. Has he failed you in your past? Have you failed him in your past? Someone say amen. Amen. But he is faithful. Even though we are not, he is. Amen. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I love another translation. It actually says to provoke. Sometimes you just need somebody to get in your grill. Can I get an amen? See, we don't like that, though, because we're all sweet. We're all we're all Texans. We're all we're just sweet and sappy. We're drippy sweet here in Texas. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be coddled. I want to be coached. I need somebody in my face going, look, champ, you're a little out of line. Let's get it together. I say, yes, sir. Let's go. Let's go. Amen. Amen. Let us consider one another in order to provoke, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What do you think the word means by that? Someone say show up. I love Ron Lewis. He has a real simple thing. He says, look, if you just live holy and show up, your life will be a whole lot better. Someone say, live holy and show up. You got to do both. Amen. A lot of people just showing up, not living holy, wondering why it's not working for them. And a lot of people are not living holy and not showing up. And hey, we all know why it's not working for them. Amen. But we got to live holy, show up, not forsaking the assembling, the coming together of ourselves, as is the manner of some. But exhorting, encouraging, entreating one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. You got to understand this was a long time ago. And the day he's talking about the day approaching as though it was imminent, as though it was coming. How much closer are we now than we were then in the first century? It's a lot closer, which means it's so much closer. That means we need to be that much more. We need to up our game that much more. Amen. Amen. So we want to we want to get together, come together, take advantage of time together and, and let God work through one another as we stir each other up. And Jesus and the Lord, add the blessing to the reading of your word. And everybody said, amen. amen. High five somebody on the way down. We're talking about power confessions and holding fast 
the confession of your hope or your expectation. I do something every day, Annette does this, Pastor Rich does this, others in our church do this, where we have found that God's word on our mouth is powerful. Your words are literally like power containers that when you speak, you throw things out there and your words contain power. Say, my words are powerful. I spend intentional time every day confessing Bible-based truths and principles that have literally become a spiritual rudder for my life. And if I, I find that, that the less word I have going in me, the less life I have going out of me. And so the word going in and then the word coming out on my tongue produces something. It makes things happen. It causes movement. And I don't know about you, but I want to see movements on the things that I am praying for. Do you not? How many of you have ever found yourself frustrated because you're praying and you're praying and you're saying and you're praying and nothing's happening? I don't know about you, but I want to see results from what I pray. Amen? So how do I do that? Well, I have to get the Word in me because we know the Word works, the Word of God, the Bible, the Word works, but we have to what? Work the Word. And so one of the ways that we work the Word, we study the Word, we spend time in the Word. That's one way you're working the Word into you. But something that we do less of that we need to learn how to do is learn how to work the Word out of us. In other words, getting the word of God out onto our lips, out on our tongues. Let me tell you something. God gave you a mouth and we need to sanctify our mouth. Amen. So that it's speaking forth his word and it does produce life. It will not return void. The Bible tells us and that God literally watches over his word to perform it. In other words, to bring it about. So his word produces something. Amen. How many know everything starts in a seed form? Let me say it again in case you missed that. Everything starts, you started in a seed form. Ideas start as a seed in the mind. Let me tell you something. Negative, detrimental, destructive emotions start as a seed in the mind that someone deposited into the soil of your heart. Amen? Amen. Things that are said. Things that, that, are, that are maybe not even always said, just things that are done. They actually are seeds being sown into our heart. Everything starts in seed form. And I tell you, I want to be like Johnny Appleseed. Anybody remember Johnny Appleseed? I want to be like Johnny Appleseed. Who, everywhere I'm going, I'm just seeding things out. Seeding things. Sowing. 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 Because he who sows will reap. And I want to be one who's sowing constantly, sowing constantly. And let me tell you, one of the most powerful ways you can sow is with your mouth. Because what goes around, Mama said, comes around, right? Whatsoever a man, what? Sows, he shall also reap. So as we speak, we are sowing. And we're going to read a couple of verses that are a little frightening on that side of things. We'll look at it in just a minute. So are you ready? Let me say something to you. Change your words, change your life. You need to get a hold of that. Do you know some of you, and I won't just say you, but even people that we know are literally killing themselves with the words they speak. I was talking to one of our students here, one of our ACU students earlier today, and we were talking about this very thing. And he said that since we've been talking about this more in church, and he's been sitting under this teaching, and he's, he's starting to check and guard his words more, he said he realized 
it's, it's put a different filter on his mind and his ears that now when he's out on the campus, he hears people saying negative, critical, cutting, harsh, sarcastic words constantly. He said he didn't even notice it before. But now that he's got this new filter on, this new lens that he's seeing life through, a new, it's like a new hearing aid that filters out things and lets things in. Now that he's got a new filter on, he's literally hearing it all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like when you decide you're going to buy a car and you're going to buy a certain kind of car, you suddenly see them everywhere. You know what I mean? You know, or, or, or you ladies, you, you go and you think you just bought a one-of-a-kind blouse. And all of a sudden, you see, you see them everywhere. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that comes from shopping in Abilene. Amen? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, there's three of those at church this morning. That's just the way it is. But, uh, but, but what it does, it puts a filter where now that's what you see. That's what you perceive. And so words are no different. And when you begin to change your words, you begin to change your life. But you will begin to notice the negativity that's going out. And it, sometimes it's a little hard to, to take. But I want to talk to you about the value of declarations. We defined this last week, but I want to show this to you again. It'll be up on the screen. A declaration, the Latin meaning literally means this, to make quite clear. When I declare something, I'm making it clear. Suggested in the word declaration, to declare is to speak out loud. It's to speak with authority. Someone say authority. So when we declare God's word, we're speaking with authority. We're getting it out and we're what? We're making it what? Quite clear. Let me tell you who I'm putting on standby when I speak the word of God. First of all, I'm putting the heavenly hosts on. Do you know the Bible says that his angels literally heed the voice of his word? Now, listen, we know that to be true, that when God speaks, the angels listen. Am I true? Is that I mean, when they speak, he's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me tell you something. When we speak his word, guess what? You think it doesn't get their attention? They heed the voice of his word. And so when we speak, something happens. Say, something changes. Change your words, change your life. But when we speak, we're putting heaven on notice. Let me tell you what else we're putting on notice. We're putting ourselves on notice. When I declare something and make it quite clear, I'm, I'm sealing it in my heart. When I make a declaration like this, for example, if I'm going through a difficult time and I begin to declare Isaiah that says. For no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Let me tell you something. There's a difference when I whisper that, when I mumble that and when I stand up and when I declare it. I declare in the name of Jesus that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. There's a difference when I say that. And what happens is I'm letting heaven know I'm letting myself. I'm putting myself on notice and I'm reminding myself of God's word to me. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And all of a sudden I hear it and faith comes by Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as I declare that word, make it quite clear, I'm making it clear for me too. And my faith capacity gets expanded. I love the fact that when I begin to speak faith-filled words, God's word, I begin to get larger on the inside. Have you ever noticed that? It's almost like you, those Pepto-Bismol commercials, you know. I mean, just, you just get, to, you get enlarged on the inside. Let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. What gets big on the outside, the, on the inside, the outside will have to match up. Because we walk by 
faith and not by sight. So we get big on the inside and the outside will begin to adjust. It's like setting a thermostat in the room. It ha- the system goes to work and begins to find that temperature. It has to work. So when we begin to speak those faith-filled words and declare and make quite clear that no weapon formed against me. Let me tell you something. It, everything about me begins to line up with me. My emotions begin to line up with that. My thought pattern begins to line up with my perception of myself and how I see myself. I go from having a, a self-esteem to a God esteem. See, self-esteem's good. It's healthy, right? But let me tell you something. I don't really need a lot more of myself in there. I need a lot of God in there. So as I begin to declare those words, things begin to come clear. And now my, my God esteem begins to rise. I begin to realize God's bigger than all this stuff. But as long as my self-esteem is big, it's like it's all about me, me, me. The me monster. But boy, when I, when I really get a God esteem, all of a sudden God gets bigger than every issue. And then I really begin to... I go from confessing that no weapon formed against me, from con- declaring that to believing that. I'm telling you, when you make the switch, change your words, change your life. Amen? Amen. How many of y'all want to get equipped to do this? How many of y'all, how many of y'all could use a little change? How many of you like to see a little movement? Man, there's stuff. I don't know about you. I got prayer projects all over the place, man. I, I mean, my, my spiritual life looks like a big old shop with just stuff laying around unfinished. You know, stuff not painted, stuff not screwed together, things not assembled because... There's just some things that haven't happened yet, but let me tell you something. As Annette and I have been actually walking, I'm not giving you anything we're not doing. As we've been walking this out, we do a thing now, we just call it power walking, power prayer, where we just, we go walk. It's been so beautiful in the mornings. We get up, take Rachel's school, then we hit the pavement. I mean, walking with this girl, she's a machine. It's almost hard to pray with this girl because I can't hardly breathe. But, but we pray, walk. And as we're doing that, we're declaring things and we're doing tag teams. Tag, you're in. You're in. Tag you, tap her in, tap in, tap out. And we're just going back and forth. We're declaring stuff. We're de- Let me tell you something. We're beginning to see movement. In my little spiritual shop, I'm starting to see things come together. Things are looking more complete. Another coat of paint on that thing over there. And I found some bolts that fit in that thing I was working on over there. Y'all realize it's all metaphor, right? You with me? Tracking with me? Some of you are going, I don't know. I don't got a shop at my house. It's all metaphor. All right. You with me? All right, here's that declaration. It means to make quite clear. If you don't remember anything else, that's it. It's, that's what you're doing. You're setting heaven on notice. You're letting the angels know, I'm about to speak God's word. Get ready. Heed the voice of this word. Gosh. I'm just thinking of so many words that, that, that God has given us as gifts. And he says, listen, I've given this to you. Now use it. Now work it. Don't leave it in the back seat of your car. Don't, don't, don't leave it here at the church. It's amazing how Bibles get left here and nobody ever comes and claims them. I'm like, geez, nobody reading these things? What's going on? I got 50 at home? What's the deal? But he gives us this and we got to begin to use this thing. I'm telling you, you know, after you own a Bible a while, it ought to look bad. Not because you're trashing it around, but it's because you're actually using it. You know what I mean? And don't be putting stuff in it. That's how you break the binding on these things. Just FYI, there's a little side point there. All right? Are you ready to make quite clear a statement of one's principles? See, I'm saying I'm putting heaven. Oh, I forgot to say I'm putting hell on notice, too. I'm just declaring this is what God's word says. No weapon formed against me. It includes you. The Bible also says in Psalm 8 that you put all things under my feet. 
I'm just a little lower than Elohim, the scripture says. That could be translated either angels or God himself. Just a little lower. And all things are under my feet. All things? Does it, where does that put the devil? Where does that put all things related to hell? Under our feet. Why do Christians have a hard time with this? I don't get it. Here's the deal. God's word says, both in the Old Testament, Psalm 8, also says in Ephesians chapter 1 and in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we've been raised up, seated together in Christ in heavenly places. Where does that mean I am spiritually? That means I'm seated where? I'm helping. In heavenly places right now. That's where I am positionally. Does that make sense? Now, my body and my earth suit is stuck right here, right? Right here in the tangible world, touchy-feely you know, atmosphere, decay, everything that happens in the physical world. But my spirit, let me tell you where my spirit man is. I'm seated in Christ, in heavenly place. I'm, I'm getting fired up as I'm just saying this. I, it's stirring me up because it's the word's working. <laughs> and when you begin to say that and realize, I've been raised up together with you, seated in Christ, in heavenly places. And then you go back to Ephesians 1, it says, far above. Now, if I'm in Christ, in heavenly places, and the scripture says that Christ is... Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. That's a lot of stuff right there. Amen? And if Jesus is over that and I'm in Christ, where does that put all that stuff? I'm helping you. I'm giving you signals here. It's under our feet. So every issue of your life that you think is a mountain is under your feet. Every one. Every emotion, every negative emotion that's plaguing you right now, that's tormenting your mind right now, it's under your feet. But here's the deal. You just got to declare it. You need to begin to say it. You need to begin to say, this confusion I'm experiencing, this fear I'm experiencing. Not my fear, but this fear, because we know where fear comes from, right? You've not been given a spirit of fear, but you have been given a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, sound thinking. That's yours. So you need to de- confess that. And do you see what I'm saying here? Am I making sense here? Okay, making sure. I'm just going to make sure. I, I, don't, I do not want to run off and leave anybody on this because this is critical. Not to your survival. You can live and survive as a Christian. You'll go get to heaven. You'll go to Beulah land and you'll get a harp and a cloud. I don't know. But here's the deal. I want to see you in the meantime win. I want to see you have a winning mindset that says, you know what? Junk's happening right now. Junk is happening, but this too shall pass. The scripture assures me that this too. The scripture assures me I will see the I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what the word says. Whose report will you believe? I'll believe the report of the Lord. And so you've got to begin to, and you do this with your mouth. You actually begin to reorient your thinking and your perspective and your perception by the word as you speak the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Right. Are you getting all this? See how all that cycles around. So so this is not rocket science, by the way. A six year old can do this. A five year old can do it. So I think we we should be able to handle this. Amen. Because really, it's so simple. We miss it. It's so simple we miss it. I'm not talking about blab it, grab it, name it, claim it here. You need to understand what I'm saying here. We're more mature than that. Amen? We understand where prosperity fits in the cycle of the kingdom. Amen? We even say it in our confession there that we prosper with purpose. We're blessed 
to be a blessing. You understand that. So when I'm talking about confessing, I'm not confessing so you can get something. So you can get stuff. So you can get some material. I'm not talking about materialism. Amen? I want to make sure I hate to even have to give that disclaimer, but we live in a world that's jacked up. We got theological mess all over the place. So I want to make sure you understand we're talking about taking what God has given us in these tools and these weapons and simply working them so that we can have what Jesus said in John 10, 10, where he said, I have come that you might have what? You know what that word is in the Greek? It's the word zoe. You know what that word means? The God kind of life and the God quality of life. And I don't know about you, but I want some of that. I am not going to settle for the low life. I'm going to take the high life. He says I can have abundant zoe. Life and life in the New American Standard says life to the full. Other translations say life and life more abundantly. You know what that simply means? Life that is overflowing. Wherever you are right now, did you know that with a few words, a shift of your perspective and embracing this word, you can literally flip your mentality in a moment. And the more you do this, the better you get at it. And the lag time, you know what I'm talking about lag time, the downtime. I'm not I'm talking about the time where you were walking on the mountain and man experiencing the presence and power of God. And then you hit the downtime, you hit the valley and then you're back up again. You know what I'm talking about? Well, there's a time frame between those two things. Picture it like the weekend. You, you got the weekend, then you worked. You got the weekend, then you work. Let me tell you something. When you begin to train yourself in this, the lag time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad day. Can I get an amen? Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will take some stuff. They will be persecuted. There is a very real devil that hates your guts. He's going to hit you. Amen? But God... But God, see, so you, once you begin to work this thing, it'll begin to shift things to where instead of having four days of depression and laying in a fetal position all day in bed at home, not even being motivated to get in a shower, I mean, hardly being able to get out the door to go to work and tormenting yourself with thoughts and comparison and all the junk that we go through, insecurity, inferiority, all these things. The lag time gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Then suddenly you find yourself going, wait a minute. I don't have to think this way. I can change this in a moment right now. Here's God's word. Let me see what God's word says. Listen, you don't even have to have it memorized to do it. This is how cool God is. God's word works whether you got it memorized. You're just reading the thing. Quit thinking, well, I don't know enough of the Bible. Start reading it. Start confessing it. Work it and you'll learn it. You know, I've never consciously memorized scripture ever. And I know hundreds of scriptures, but I haven't consciously memorized. It's just I've worked the word and it gets worked into me. It's amazing. Uh, maybe you guys are brilliant. You got a photographic memory. You can memorize intentionally. It's like if I try to do it intentionally, it doesn't work. But if I just read it, speak it, read it, declare it, it just gets in me and gets in me and gets in me. Now it becomes the King Jimmy version, no doubt. <laughs> You're not going to find this translation anywhere other than what's coming out of me. Amen. But I'm making it my own. And suddenly something happens in me. Something gets birthed in me that's powerful. You know, there is nothing, there is nothing more difficult to stop than a good attitude. I know it's real deep. But I'm telling you, somebody with a good attitude will steamroll over every situation that comes their way. Doesn't mean they won't get slowed down. Doesn't mean they won't hit the bump, hit the wall, have a bad day, throw a fit. Have a conniption fit, whatever you call it. 
everybody's going to have those moments in those days. Can I get an amen? Everybody's going to have moments where they have to go back to somebody and go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I was out of character there. I'm sorry. I slipped. I messed up. I made a mistake. Everybody's going to have that. Amen? Amen. Praise God for forgiveness, right? He He gives us grace. But let me tell you something. The lag time. And the downtime between those positive moments and those life-giving moments is going to get short. In fact, I declare this over you right now in the name of Jesus. Your downtime, your lag time is diminishing even as I speak right now. I see it in the Spirit right now. It's closing. It's closing. Say, it's closing. It's closing. It's getting shorter and shorter because you're getting equipped to do this. Now, here's the thing. I can give you the medicine. I can, I can write the prescription for you, but you've got to take the medicine. Can I get an amen? So the word works, and I'm working it, but you've got to work it for yourself. Amen? You have to work the word. I get you all stirred up for an hour here, but listen, you've got the rest of the week to deal with. Amen? You've got, you got, you got a mean boss to deal with. Amen? You've got a kid blowing up to deal with. Don't say amen out loud, all right? Just keep it to yourself. I'm not even going to say spouse, just in case. So we just have mean, we have stuff to deal with. But listen, you got, that's where you've got to work the word, all right? And what I'll do is I'll take some of, these, some of these scriptures we're talking about, jot them down, and j- if you know one scripture, work the word. How do, you, how do you do that? Find one scripture that does, that's your go-to word and work that word. Chew on that nugget. Oh, gosh, I'm so West Texan, it's scary. Like a cow chewing on cud. I mean, you just keep it. I'm such a hick, but... But you got to keep that. Keep it. Chew on it. Keep it with you. Man, that's a terrible metaphor. All right. <laughs> that's gross, I know. All right, you ready? Hello? All right, it's out of the mouth. Now, I'm going to go real quick. We're going to blow through these, but I'm going to stop on the last one because I added this one. All right? It's out of the mouth that we reveal what is in the heart. The earth itself was created with words, and God said, and it was. Jesus used words to fight the devil during his temptation in the desert. Remember, he says, it is written, it is written, it has been said. Faith is, faith is released through words. You release faith like you shoot a bullet. You know, faith is like this. If you've got a lot of information and knowledge, just like gunpowder on the ground, you light it, what does it do? Nothing. It goes up in smoke. It's just a bunch of smoke, and it's real pretty for a moment. Then it stinks. But faith, a little bit of faith, mustard seed faith, but gunpowder, just a little bit, you take and you put it in a shell with a primer and put a piece of lead on it, stick it in the right kind of gun. Let me tell you something, that little bit becomes a powerful, lethal weapon. That's how faith works. Everybody, some people have a lot of faith, but it's just all scattered out, it's not focused. What's the rifle barrel? What gives it form and shape? Your words. Your words are the weapon. Your words, your mouth is the rifle barrel that releases that faith. Does this make sense? So we've got to learn how to release our faith, and it's released through our words. Jesus defied and counteracted the established laws of nature and physics with words. He rebukes a storm in Matthew. Another time he rebukes a demon. And then in Luke, the word rebuke means to arrest or stop. In Luke 4, he, Jesus rebukes sickness you know, it's interesting to me that Jesus did all this stuff. And you know what he said about you and me? Greater works. I'm ready to see some great. I'm ready to apprehend some greater works, folks. Great theologian Wayne Gretzky said, I miss 100 percent of the shots I never take. I, I don't know about you, but it's time to start swinging. Amen. Oh, yeah. Go, Pastor Jimmy. <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking about us. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, if it's to be, it begins with me. And what do you do? You just made something quite clear. You made a declaration, all right? (laughs) All right. Now, this is really important. Jesus issued a stern warning concerning our words because he understood the power that words carry for both good and bad. Look up on the screen, Matthew 25. This is an uh-oh word. You ready? A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Remember, we say that we leak out what we're full of. All right, That's where I got that. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Now look at the scripture. But I say to you, oh, this is an uh-oh scripture. But I say to you that for every, someone say every. I did a little exegesis. I, I, uh, I exegeted this passage and I looked up this word in the Greek. Guess what? It means all, every. So it says this, I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. Yeah, I knew nobody would say amen on that one. Now think about that, idle words. Do you know why that's a problem? Now we live in a culture where words are cheap. I mean, now it's, you know, everybody's got a blog. Everybody's on Facebook. Everybody used to be on MySpace. I mean, everybody, there's always something to be on. Texting, words, words. We're all about words, but words have become cheap, and they've lost their impact in our culture because there's so many words out there now that it's, it's, it's the law of any, it's diminishing return. You've got so much going out, nothing's coming out. It loses its impact. It's like singing the same song over and over. How many know when a new hit song comes out, you're like, I want to hear that over and over. And then three weeks later, you're like, God, they play that song all the time. You know, it, it just, the more, it, it loses its impact. And words have been cheapened in our culture because A, we don't stand by our words, and B, we don't even believe our words really carry anything. So what's the big deal if we joke around with each other? What's the big deal if we walk out sarcasm and make fun and poke fun and say things? It's no big deal. Let me tell you something. Though culture may not place a value on your words, God, the devil, and the kingdom does. And just because the culture changes doesn't mean the kingdom culture changes. I need you to hear this. This is serious. That goes for the words you spew at one another in your home or towards your children. It says this, we will be held for every idle word because every word counts. That's why the scripture in Proverbs says that those who are quiet will be perceived as wise. (laughs) That's an uh uh-oh word, isn't it? And the reason Jesus said this is because he understood the power of words. Did you know that covenants are ratified with words? You know, they'd cut a cow in half or an animal in half, separate it, and then you'd walk what they call the blood path. But all that was was a metaphor for what had been exchanged in words, which was the terms of the covenant. Terms like, if I do not do or follow the terms of this covenant, may it be done to me what has been done to this animal. That's how powerful words were. And you know what? They lived up to it and they heeded it because it wasn't just a contract to be broken. It was a covenant to be followed and lived out. So that that is a warning word. And it's because of the value of words. And I don't know about you, but 
Here's what I'm saying. We need to get more intentional about what we say. I'm not saying we can't cut up and have fun. My gosh, geez, have a good time. But we just need to be careful of how, you know, it's one thing to laugh together with somebody, but it's way different to laugh at somebody because we've said something that puts them down and belittles them and devalues. Here's the problem with that. The more anointed you are, the more force your words carry. I don't know about you, I want to be anointed, amen? You know what that means? That as I rise in my anointing level, as I walk with Jesus and I continue to grow and learn and grow in maturity and that anointing, that power of God enabling me gets stronger and stronger and stronger, I have to be more careful with my words. Can you imagine being utterly anointed by the power of God and then you saying something like, I cannot believe that monkey driving that car and the dude turns into a monkey. That's powerful, amen? <laughs> That's anointed. But what I, I, I just goofy, but listen. How about when we do say, hey, that girl's a slut? Oh, yeah, I know, I heard about that. Oh, man, she, she, she. Do you know what your words are doing? Your words are carrying force. And you may be empowering that to happen. So, how many know we need to watch our words, amen? Be intentional. Be purposeful. See, the problem is, is we don't think our words are powerful because the culture has taught us that. But the kingdom of God teaches us that our words are extremely powerful. Which means I need to operate under God's kingdom, not the world's. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you something. As we talk like this and about these things, when you go out there, you're going to hear stuff and go, whoa, can't believe I was saying that too. Even the things you call yourself. God, I'm such an idiot. Oh, I'm so stupid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, I always get sick this time of year. Oh, my allergies. My, my, oh, my, me, mine, mine, mine. We possess and own everything. And the Bible says you'll have whatever you say. You ever wonder why you're getting sick? A lot of you. It's because you're getting exactly what you're saying. That's why Annette and I, it's hard. I'm going to say it's hard. It's hard. But Annette and I have made a commitment to just check our words. And, we, and it's hard sometimes because sometimes you don't want to hear your spouse saying, uh, 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 you know, I mean, it's not fun. You know what I mean? To get busted by your spouse. It's okay if I bust you, but if mama busts you, you're like, oh, you know, you're all frustrated. Let me tell you something. Those of you who have roommates, you ought to tell your roommate, I'm, I'm making a declaration right here. I'm going to make this quite clear. I, I'm going to cut out the negative talk out of my mouth. So if you hear me saying anything negative, I dare all of you to do this. To your spouse, your children. Your children will check you up in a second. Because they don't have anything to lose. Like, oh, Daddy, I can't believe you said that. What, you said shut up? What? I mean, oh, man. I've said something about stupid about something one time, and Rachel from the other end of the house said, Daddy, that's a bad word. Yeah, I mean, because I said stupid. She didn't even hear the context of the conversation, but it was a bad word to her. She, my daughter's checking me up. So here's the deal. I dare you. I absolutely triple dog dare you. I triple. That, that means you've got to do it. I triple dog dare you. There's no, there's no going back on a triple. Double we'll talk about, but a triple, it's in. So here's the deal. I, I triple dog dare you. To talk to your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your, your, your roommate, whoever, those of you that, that your friends, and say, check my language. 
And if you hear me rattling off something negative, stop me. You can tell them to be nice, you know, because it can get real brutal. But are you hearing me? Anybody would dare accept that challenge. Let me see your hand if you dare going to do it. Some of you going, I don't know. So you like what I said, but you're not that excited. I'll pray about it. Lord, help us. Jesus, take the wheel. All right. Gosh. All right, let me give you a couple things, and we'll, we'll keep this right to the point. All right, here's some power confession. I've, one of the ones that's the biggest in my life is that, and I, even today I was actually very conscious of me saying it because I was going to talk about this tonight, but I just God, I realize I do. I say this all the time. And simply this, God is good. The Lord is good. I, I, all the time, Lord, you're so good. Your mercy endures forever. God, you're amazing. Now, I may not use good. I'll say, God, you're awesome. God, you're, you're off the chain. God, you're, you're amazing. I mean, I'm just I'm constantly bragging on God. But that has become a declaration that as I declare it, as I make it quite clear, I'm letting the heavenly hosts know, I'm letting me know, and I'm letting the devil know that I know who's good. Now, here's the deal. That doesn't mean my circumstances are always good. All right, I'll talk about that in just a second because some people think, oh, yeah, well, you're happy all the time. Oh, no, no, just ask Annette. Just ask Rachel. That's Pastor Rich. I'm not happy all the time. I get so mad I cuss every once in a while. No, I knew that would get to your attention. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, is, that has become legendary in some places. Pastor, listen to this. First Chronicles 16.34. Look up the screen. I want to read this scripture to you. First Chronicles 16.34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for what? He is good for his mercy endures forever. You know, I love that scripture in Lamentations. I know y'all read that devotionally all the time. But the book of Lamentations, the book of laments, it's depressing actually. But there's one shining bright star in the midst of that. It talks about the mercies of God being new every morning. That's a part of my confession as well. It's just part of God is good. And God, I thank you that your mercy endures forever and your mercies are new every morning. If I'm having a bad day today, praise God, joy comes in the morning. It comes in the morning. Sleep it off. Amen? Man, we say shake things off, but sometimes you got to sleep stuff off. Amen? Now, I know, I know, and I remember hearing somebody say, well, I never go to bed mad. My wife, I'm like, you must be up all night a lot. You never sleep. Because there are nights when me and Annette's just like, just, you know, there's nothing said. It's just lights out, snoring, it's gone. We're gone. And hallelujah, we wake up, it's a new day. Why? Because it's a clean slate, because His mercies are new every morning. And His mercies endure. They endure forever. Amen? Amen. So praise God for new mercies and new grace. Amen? So someone say, sleep it off. I mean, that may be a good policy for your family, but I mean, I'm telling you, I don't have bags under my eyes. Hallelujah. I wake up fresh and we get a new start, don't we, baby? <laughs> She's going, yeah. Yeah, speak for yourself. All right. Chronicles 5. Listen to this in in Second Chronicles 5. So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. Remember when Solomon built the temple? That's what this is about. He built a house to the glory of God when, in fact, God gave it to his daddy to build. Remember David? And David became a man of war, had blood on his hands, and God said, I want you building the house. And so he said, but your son is going to. So Solomon had finished the work, 
And Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated, the silver and the gold and all the furnishings, and he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. Just think about the pomp and circumstance. This is a big deal, big deal. Man, this is the glory of God in Jerusalem, in the kingdom. I mean, it was like, because guess where God had been contained before, at least in their perception? A wooden box called the Ark of the Covenant, and then he graduated to a tent. A tabernacle, okay? So now they have, they have done what they've been wanting to do for generations, and that is build a temple, build a house to the glory of God. So that's what's happening here, okay? Let's keep going. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem, that they might bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord up from the city of David, which is Zion. Let's keep going. Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with the king at the feast, which was in the seventh month. Keep going. So all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. This was everything that represented the known presence of God. Everything. They gathered them all in one spot and said, we're going to dedicate these in the temple. Also, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him before the ark were sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. This was huge. Then the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place. That's the, that's the holy of holies. That's, that's the, the very inner place. And there's the, Jesus talks about the holy of holies in us. It is amazing imagery there. It says, to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. Remember, those were the angels of the Lord that were on the Ark of the Covenant that touched, just the tip touched. They represented the Shekinah glory of God, the flame, the glory, the presence of God in the fire. So anyway, for the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the Ark and its poles. So you got this imagery. The poles extended so at the ends of the poles the Ark could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. Verse 10, Nothing was in the Ark except the two tablets which Moses put there at Horeb. Remember the mount where God, if you saw the movie, <laughs> Charlton, you know, God liked lightning, you know, you know, he wrote out, you know, dictated. <laughs> we don't know if that's how it happened, but it was made a great Hollywood movie, but very epic moment. But that's what he had. He had the commands of the Lord right there. When the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel, when they had come out of Egypt, keep going. And it came to pass when the priests came out from the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves. That means set themselves apart ceremonially without keeping to their divisions. They were all one. They were together. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, and with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, guitars, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. I mean, we're talking big band here. We're talking big concert going on right here, okay? Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were what? As one, real critical there, to make what? One sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments and music and praised the Lord, saying, look what they declared. For he is good. For his mercy endures forever. We see this all over the scripture. For his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. This declaration, this declaration is the declaration, the thing that made it quite clear that this was the temple of God. For he is good. For he is good. 
how much more should we dedicate our own temple with this declaration, He is good. He is good. So that the priests, it was so powerful in God's presence. God was so pleased, He just showed up. And He showed out, as we say. He showed up says, so that the priests could not continue ministering for the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Can you imagine being in the presence of God that was so thick that God showed up and smoke filled the place and there were no fire alarms going off? It was the presence, the manifest presence of God. In the midst of that, they were declaring, for He is good and His mercy endures forever. God is good. You need to understand that all the time. And all the time, God is good. Can I get an amen? amen. God passed before Moses and His goodness represented his very nature. God's nature is that he is good. When Moses said, I, I, I want to see you. Would you let me see you? God said, I'll let my goodness pass before you. In, in other words, my very character, my very nature is represented by my goodness. Say, God is good. God's good nature produces that which is good. Look at James 1.17. We'll do this. Every good, someone say good. good. Every good gift, someone say good gift. Good. Hey, do y'all know God gives good gifts? You know, some Christians don't believe that. Some Christians don't. No, they literally, they don't. They, they literally think, oh, there you go. No, seriously, they don't. Every good and every perfect, the word perfect there means complete, whole. Every good and complete whole gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Just know this. It's because God is good that he gives good gifts. I know that sounds simple, but you've got to get that declaration on your mouth. In other words, it's a core value for me, period. And let me tell you why. It's because of this next thing, the last thing. God turns every situation, even bad ones, for our good. See, when you have this as a core value and this is your declaration, this is what you're making quite clear that it doesn't matter what kind of day, month, or year you're having. It doesn't matter because God is good. It doesn't matter if I'm uncomfortable because God is good. It doesn't matter if I'm inconvenienced because God is good. It doesn't matter if my dreams don't come to pass because God is good. It doesn't matter if I get disappointed because God is good. That's His nature, His goodness. Is his nature. And because of that, I can trust him that he's going to turn it. Someone say, but God. That God's going to turn the situation for my good. All right? Romans 8, 28. I want to show it to you. We quote it a lot. We throw it out a lot. But you need to get a hold of this. And we know. We know. The word know is nosco, literally in the Greek, which means to know intimately or to know by experience. In other words, you don't know up here. You know right here in your chest. You know in your gut where it matters. It's not just having knowledge. Everybody has knowledge, but not everybody knows. Are you hearing me? Everybody, Man, I mean, you get people, everybody's got faith up here. Oh, I believe God's able, but do you believe God's willing? See, when you cross over from able to willing, all of a sudden you know. Anybody can say God's able. Oh, yeah, God can, God can, God can. But will you, do you believe God will? See, when you step into that arena, you stepped into a whole new place. From the place of just enough to the place of more than enough. 
Let me tell you something. There's a difference. Everybody knows God's just enough. Oh, he'll meet my He'll take care of me. He loves me. Feeds the sparrows. Let me tell you something. But do you believe that God, do you, do you know? Because if you know, you believe he's the God of more than enough. He's El Shaddai. That making sense? And we know. We know. So this can't just be information. Information doesn't result in transformation. It's just more information. And we are fat spiritually on information in this culture. Amen? But we need revelation. That means to be peeled back, to be revealed. We need revelation so we can be, have transformation. That means to change your very form. Some of us ought to look different because of what we're hearing. Amen? And experiencing. So that's when it says, and we know. That means I know by experience. I don't just know because I heard a good story about something happening somewhere. I know because God is good to me. So it says, and we know. Someone say, we know. We know by experience, intimately, that all things, guess what? I didn't have to exegete this. I just know this. All things mean all things. All things work together for good. Someone say for good. You mean all things? You mean tragedy? You mean calamity? You mean devastation? God can turn that thing? Let me tell you something. He's the God who created Australia. He can create a situation that it worked for your good. He's a big God. Let me put it this way. God created Texas. He, he can take care of anything, right? I forget. We only have like five Texans in here. We're all transplants from everywhere else. Texas probably doesn't work here. And we know, we know by experience that all things, someone say all things, all things work together for good to those who love God. Man, this is so loaded. Y'all do realize this is packed. You know, a surface reading, oh, I love Jesus. No, no, no. Those who love God actively. It's an active word, not a passive word. To love God is to rely on, trust, adhere, have faith in, believe. It means you're drawing near to Him, not running away from Him saying, bless me, bless me. You're drawing near to Him saying, Father, this may burn me up. I may be consumed by this fire, but I'm getting closer and I'm getting closer. Oh, God. You know why Jabez could say, bless me indeed, in the prayer of Jabez? Because he was walking with God. He was close to Him. And he had the confidence to say, bless me indeed. I remember reading that and reading the little booklet on it years ago and just getting frustrated. Oh, there they go again. I want to be blessed. But you know what? I found the closer I get to God, I just get blessed can't help it but you got to love God and you got to know you got to know and you got to love and love is active not passive don't ever think love is just words oh I love Jesus hallelujah you know a lot of people say they love Jesus just watch the the Emmys or the Oscars oh God bless glory to God for this hell yeah I mean it just go off it's like whoa whoa uh, it's craziness, you know. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I probably shouldn't illustrate so much. <laughs> I just get so comfortable with you guys. <laughs> we'll edit that. All right, on the, it won't go out on the podcast. <laughs> Listen, good to those who love God, to those who are what? The called. I don't know about you, but there's a call in my life. I am the called. He's called me out. He's raised me up. Seek me high. I am the call. So you got to know. Got to know. That's what it says. It starts with you got to know. This is not a blanket verse that God's going to work out. Listen to this. 
If you don't know him, this isn't working for you. Your calamity is just that, your calamity. If you don't know and you don't love. Is this making sense? It's strong, isn't it? This this, this becomes such a weak verse. Oh, yeah, oh, he's just working everything. Oh, God's just making things. No, 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 no. Not if you don't know and not if you don't love. Not if you're not, and not if you don't know that you're the called according to his purpose. Man, I got a purpose. I'm talking about purpose-driven, man. I, I was purpose-driven before the book came out. Come on. Knowing that you're called, knowing you're on mission, knowing you're on point, knowing you have a task, knowing you have an assignment, and that assignment trumps a lot of foolishness. Amen? It's just, sometimes you don't have time to be foolish because it just trumps everything. And you realize, my goodness, I'm the called According to his purpose. That's what that says. So God is working things out for his good, for your good. You know why? Because he is good. And man, he's a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of those who come close to him. Not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. Can I get an amen? amen. I don't know about you, I'm all stirred up. Let's stand together. You know, when you get a hold of this and, and you, just, you just get this working in you, it just, it's hard to have a bad day. You can have a bad moment, but it's hard to have a bad day when you just really get a hold of this. And you can take a bad day and knowing that it's getting going to get turned because God's working on it. He's working because you're the called, because you know, because you love him. He's going to work it out for good. So even in the worst situation, that's why in the book of James, it says, count it all joy. My brother, when you fall into various trials, knowing that <laughs> there's that knowing thing again. See, that's, that's faith. Amen? The essence of faith is knowing and knowing by experience. And I just, let me tell you something. I know. I know God's got great things for you. I know your destiny is not going to get derailed by foolishness. I know. I know God finishes what he starts. Philippians 1.6. He completes the job for those that know, those that love, those that are called according to his purpose. Amen? And I just know it. I know it. Let me tell you something. You, you should get a hold of this and just know you're a part of something at this church, Grace Point, that is about to freaking explode into the wand of the world scene. You need to know that. You need to apprehend that and get excited about it. And start celebrating it. Amen? The essence of faith is that you know it's coming. You know. You don't just think. You don't believe. You know. Let me tell you, I know, my goodness, our best days are ahead. And I think they're close. Amen? Glory to God. Man. All right. Hallelujah. I'll pray, and if we declare, we declare. Father, we love you. We bless you. And I thank you for what you're doing, what you're saying, for how you continue to just reveal things to us in our study. God, I pray, I pray that as the word has been seeded, it's been sowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare, I make it clear that, Father, our people here are good ground that are receiving the good seed of this word. And, Father, I declare, even those listening to podcasts, Father, as this thing goes all over the world, literally, that, Father, those that hear this word will be inspired and be encouraged and their faith will be expanded and enlarged because the word works. And, Father, I ask you to work this word. I ask you to anoint this word as it goes out, Father. And, God, I ask you to anoint this church, Father, as we come onto the scene, onto the radar screen of this city, Lord. People are going to go, where have they been? I will say, we've been in training for 20 years, but here we are. We're ready to fight. We're ready to, with the game on. Game on in the name of Jesus. We're ready. 
And we're ready to lock and load, Father, for the kingdom, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing, what you're going to do. And we declare, Father, it's going to be a good thing because you're a good God. In the name of Jesus.